Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Woof, Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me once again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. You can also head on over to Instagram and find me there at Speak a Dogcast, and be sure you check it out because on Tuesday, we'll be starting our brand new Training Tip Tuesdays on Instagram. You're going to want to get all those fun training tips, all that great advice, so check it out and subscribe. You can also head out and over to youtube.com slash speakadogcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Give me that thumbs up if you like what you're seeing. You can become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast as well. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, if you love the podcast, do me a favor, take a moment of your time, just scroll down, takes only two seconds. I would really appreciate it if you guys would leave that five-star rating. If you love what you're hearing, leave me a comment. It would be fantastic. And I would really, really thank you guys. Now on today's show, we have doing nothing, can be everything. Yes, you heard me correctly. Sometimes doing nothing in dog training can actually be profound and significant. So we'll talk about how to do that correctly and not do too much of nothing, right? Come on, we still gotta train our dogs. Then we have a segment on uncontrolled dogs. It's getting out of control. It's beyond uncontrolled. There are too many dogs. Too many dogs out there that are untrained, don't listen to their owners, and are a nuisance. We'll talk about how to deal with that. Now, we'll be coming back next week with the History of Animal Mascots 101, but this week we still have the listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or message me on social media. Your question might get featured on the show. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question, and today's question is going to be, how far can a frog jump? Yes, how far can a frog jump? I will give you that answer to the question. Give you the answer to the question somewhere in today's show. So be sure you stick around. Sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, doing nothing can be everything. So what exactly do I mean? You know, there really is a literal kind of translation definition, however you want to kind of look at it, uh, there is a literal sense of doing nothing when it comes to dog training, when it comes to science, when it comes to psychology. And look, it's not to say that doing nothing trains your dog. Let's first, you know, right there. Okay, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is doing nothing is actually a part of training your dog. Sometimes, right? We have to utilize doing nothing sometimes. And I'm going to teach you guys about why doing nothing is beneficial, when you should do nothing, and how to do it. But when we talk about it from the science perspective, from the psychology perspective, okay, when we start right there, we have to go, well, okay, what from a definition standpoint is doing nothing? So if I could pick one definition out of all the all the things that it takes to make, you know, a well-rounded pup to, to, to work with, it's going to be negative reinforcement. Because negative reinforcement by definition is going to be the removal of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. So essentially we're removing all the stimulus and I'm going to give you a very simple example. All right. If I'm taking my dog out into public and let's say we want to take my dog to lunch, right? Um, and we... Let's say we've been through training. Like, like we let's talk about the process of getting there. Let's say the dog wasn't really great at going out to public. We had to teach them to walk on a leash better. We had to teach them focus. We had to teach them to stop pulling. Then once we got to lunch, we had to teach them to maybe stop reacting to other dogs, learning how to stay. 
all of these things are going to require positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment and redirections, okay? That's, that's what it's going to take to create all that. But let's say we fast forward through that whole process. Now our dog is fantastic at the walk, fantastic at not pulling, fantastic at not reacting, knows how to stay. We're sitting at lunch, my dog is hanging out, he's chilling loosely, she's basically asleep, hanging out, not doing anything, all is well. In that moment right there, think about this with me, in that moment right there, all of the stimulus to get that behavior has been removed. All the information that we gave, whether it be collar correction, redirection, right? These are things that we're, we're adding most of the time. Um, even positive reinforcement, a good boy, right? There's a stimulus being added. If you think about it, all of those things, punishment, reinforcement, punishment, reinforcement, to teach our dog to stay, to be calm, to not pull, da, 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 okay? All of those things add up to this end result. And what happens? We remove all the stimulus. Because, well, I want to keep negatively reinforcing. Think about it. I've always said, right? If a behavior stays the same or increases, and in this case, it's the dog staying, sitting at the table at lunch, being calm, staying. The behavior staying the same or increasing, that's what it's doing. Then by definition, it's being reinforced. However, I'm not actively doing anything. We're not adding anything. Nothing's being added. There's no positive reinforcement or positive punishment happening. There's not even negative punishment happening. No, is negative reinforcement. Why? Because the dog keeps staying there. If the dog didn't keep staying there, we'd... Okay, I know this is like a little bit of a thought. This is like, this is a thinker, all right? I'm not gonna lie. This one kind of takes a little like head scratch. For some of you out there, I know a lot of you out there are probably going, David, what are you talking about? This concept took a long time for me to really fully uh, grasp negative reinforcement because it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But again, I want you to think. Dog went on to public before. Dog was not fantastic at staying, at not pulling, at not being distracted. We used all of these mechanisms through reinforcements, punishments, all this active stuff and, pa and even passive, but usually, you know, when we're in the process, the passive stuff doesn't last long, right? So we were, you know, we don't need to get into that. Okay, so, <laughs> so the point is, all of those things add up to the dog being calm. And now all of a sudden, all of that stuff, all of that stimulation, all of it removed. It's being negatively reinforced. The dog is still staying still. It's being negatively reinforced. We are, in a sense now doing nothing. But something's happening, isn't it? Because the dog is still staying still. The dog is still being good. I don't have to actively reinforce it at this point in the training because we've done that enough. So nothing is everything in that moment, right? Like you see what I'm saying? So sometimes doing nothing is everything. Now I can take this example, I'm not example, I can take this concept and I can apply it to so many other things. When when we're out in public and um, people say, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. There. When we're, uh, um, <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, let's say, yeah, let's say we have a dog um, and we're out walking. There, yeah, well, that's, we have a dog. There you go. We have a dog. We're out walking. And what does everybody think we need to do? Well, we need to say hi to every single freaking dog we see. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. You do not have to say hi. Do you say hi to every single person you see walking down the street? No, and your dog doesn't need to either, guys. So, so sometimes not saying hello can be everything. Because the problem is if you go up to every single dog, you see there's multiple problems, number one. But one of the, one of the biggest problems that I see with that is now you're teaching your dog that we literally have to go up to every single dog we see. And the one time you don't want to, whether it be an aggressive dog, or maybe you just don't want to say hi to that person today, uh, whatever the reason, your dog's going to give you trouble because they're like, hey, autopilot, guys, this is, 
This is what you've reinforced. This is what we do. We, we go. We go after that dog, right? So sometimes just experiencing a dog going by us and not having to go after, not having to go say hi, doing nothing can be everything. I don't think people spend enough time teaching their dogs to not do things. <laughs> we just kind of let it be a free-for-all. Well, we, I don't. Uh, but most people out there, really, it's, it's, it's sad in my opinion because it's not how dogs are structured. It's not what dogs want. It's not what dogs crave. But for some reason, as human beings, it's what we give them. Let's have a free-for-all. No structure, no rules, no boundaries. And then what does that dog do? What are, what are dogs like that? What are they like? Right? Think about it. What are dogs that have no boundaries, no, no rules, nothing? What are they like? <laughs> Go, jump, run, bolt, bark, growl. Ah. They're nuts. They're doing everything because they've never been taught to do nothing. There it is. You want to know why your dog is crazy? Because you've never taught them to not be crazy. You've never taught your dog that doing nothing is okay. Look, I see the same thing with kids nowadays. Um, Doing nothing, kids, children, sometimes not looking at a screen is incredibly beneficial. Sometimes turning off the podcast, yeah, is incredibly beneficial. Don't do that right now. Do it later. Uh, <laughs> sometimes not playing video games is beneficial. Just sitting. I, I don't know many people anymore, honestly. Like, think about it. If you were out in public and you saw somebody just sitting there with no phone in their hands, just sitting, doing nothing, and just taking in the world, you'd probably think they're crazy. Isn't that sad? I don't think we do enough nothing. Like, that's just the truth. I don't think human beings do enough nothing. I'm not saying we should do a ton of nothing, because then nothing will get done. Uh, but you have to take time to turn off. You have to take time to reset your, your own self. Um, you know, side note from the dog stuff, guys. This is a universal rule, in my opinion. You need to do nothing at some point. Not always, but at some point. If you aren't doing nothing at some point to turn off, to reset, to meditate, to relax, to take a breath. 100% honesty, that's a problem if you don't. So getting back to the training side of it, teaching your dog to do nothing and be okay with it is so awesome. We can teach our dogs, look, going back for a moment to, to people greeting dogs out in public, I'm not saying don't greet dogs out in public. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if too much of anything, right? An obsessive behavior. Too much of anything is not a good thing. You can see it. We already, with the example I gave, right? If we say hi every time, we say hi every time. That's that's not okay. That's not even healthy. That's not balanced. Doing every, right? Like, think about it. Dogs have a crazy dog, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Doing nothing can be everything. We've talked about utilizing a spot command before. Here is another prime example of teaching your dog to do nothing, and it's phenomenal, right? I'm not going to get into the intricacies of the spot command, but we will just kind of, you know, kind of just, just, just glaze over a little bit here. Why do we use a spot command? There's so many reasons, but one of the biggest ones is to teach your dog to relax. Guys, when we have little kids, we send them to a timeout, right? It's no difference. That's, that, that's what you're trying to do. That's exactly what you're trying to teach the child is to relax, to calm down, to not take it to the extreme. Whatever that extreme might be, a tantrum, or maybe they hit a kid, or they're not sharing, or little kid stuff, right? Like, we put them in timeouts to do what? Nothing. Because why? Nothing is everything. 
Why do we put kids in timeouts? Because nothing is everything. Why do we ground kids, teenagers? Because nothing is everything. We can apply this in so many different ways here, but the spot command, going back to the dog, teaching your dog to do nothing is so valuable. You can't always be doing something, guys. You can't. Your dog can, and it'll drive them nuts and make their heart go like this. They shouldn't, but they can. Some people do that too. Look, people who don't know how to stop, who don't know how to slow down. I see people who go on vacation and are still waking up at 5 a.m. and like, don't get me wrong. You got you got some, you got an 8 a.m. thing. You got to go do a fun tour or whatever. Sure, I wake up, but like they're up at like 5 a.m. going for a five mile run. And I'm like, look, dude, like, be healthy. I'm all for it, but learn to turn off. I can't. I, I can't even comprehend people who just go 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 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. No matter what they're doing, no matter where they are, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for your dog. This is why nothing can be everything. Um, it's, it's fascinating, you know, even like, I'll give another example at appointments sometimes, like, let's say we do have a dog who reacts at other dogs, right? Usually when we first start diving into that kind of stuff, the first half an hour of the appointment will be spent on working with the dog, teaching them, you know, they don't know what I want, trying to get the focus, blah, 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 blah. And then the second half of the appointment on the first one usually ends with not doing much and yet doing everything. Okay, so what do I mean by this? If I have a dog who's reacting to other dogs, okay, and let's say we spend that first 30 minutes working them on leash, they're barking, they're frustrated, they can't not react in those first 30 minutes, right? But it gets better, it gets better as we go on. And then by the end of the 30 minutes, all of a sudden the dog is sitting down, relaxed, relatively, and focused, and doing what we need them to do, not bark. Like, I don't need perfection in that, you know, especially first time, I just need them to stop barking and stop reacting. If I get that, we're doing great on, on session one of that kind of thing. And so what ends up happening is that last 30 minutes, we usually will still have the dog over there that they'll be reacting at. And then I'm with the dog that's not reacting and we're chilling and the dog's just sitting there. A lot of times they'll lay down and just relax. And you got to understand it is not just important to get the dog to stop barking. It is just as important to spend another 30 minutes, if not more, having that dog be relaxed and not barking around that dog. Like a lot of people will get success and I get it. Like you get success, we get excited, but We'll get a success with a dog. We'll get it like, let's say we get the bad behavior we're not looking for five times and then we'll redo it and we'll get success one or two times. Which number is greater, five or two? So if your dog has practiced the wrong behavior, the bad behavior, the undesired behavior five times and only the good behavior two times, which do you think they're more likely to repeat? The five. So it is vitally important that once we get the dog to stop doing the undesired behavior, we spend time doing the desired behavior. And of course, a lot of times in my line of work, that's a dog being calm, right? <laughs> that's what we want them to do. So if I get them calm, they're being calm, we're chilling, we're on leash, I'm gonna sit there for another 30 minutes at least with that other dog that they were reacting to, just chilling. Maybe every now and then pass, sure, okay, sure, I'm, I'm gonna give them a treat every now and then. It started with a ton of treats and then we back off and then we give them intermittently. So yes, passive and then active, passive and active, but it's a ton of passive. A lot of times I end up just talking with the client because we're, we're talking and we're training and the treats just disappear all together and the dog still is relaxed. Why? Because just like we talked about at the very beginning of this, it's the same scenario, right? It is, it's the exact same scenario. We went through all that active, passive, active, passive, active, passive stuff with the training to get to this point where we can get the dog to be passive so we can do nothing and have it be everything. 
A dog who doesn't know how to experience being calm around other dogs, just having that calm experience is huge. It's huge, guys. So it's not just about, oh, we see a dog, I got my dog to stop barking, now we're good, we can just walk by. No, instead go, hey, person walking the other dog. <laughs> do you have five minutes to help me train my dog? All I need you to do is just kind of hang out with me. Once you get your dogs just from 20 feet away, all they need to do is experience being calm in front of each other because that dog that couldn't is now experiencing it. We need to let them experience that as much as they can in order to keep reinforcing, strengthening that behavior and increasing the likelihood the dog wants to repeat that behavior. Whew, got it? <laughs> Sometimes doing nothing can be everything. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speaking Dog Cast, uncontrolled dogs. All kinds of uncontrolled dogs out there, whether it's in a park, whether it's in your neighborhood. Honestly, I think it's just getting worse and worse by the day. Um, part of it is my area where you have a huge influx uh, population is just unfortunately booming out of control. Our county commissioners have sold out our wonderful little rural town, and that's the end of it. So now we have people from out of state, people from out of the area that are moving here that don't know the laws, that are entitled, that act like they own the place. And I swear it's very different from when I moved here a few years ago um, in the sense of people with their dogs, lack of responsibility, lack of ownership, and the level of uncontrolled dogs. I actually met somebody the other day who said to me, uh, they're from Connecticut, granted I can't speak to Connecticut so maybe I'm wrong. Um, but he said to me, he goes, you know, we've got two dogs. He goes, what is it with people down here? Why do they not train their dogs? Probably good for your business. But <laughs> I said, yeah, but it's also not, you know, uh, because it becomes more of the norm. And when that becomes the norm, it makes my job harder. Um, I, I'm just I've been really fed up lately. I really have with taking my dogs out into public because I keep dealing. And, and you guys, if you're a regular listener, I can't you're probably getting tired of hearing me complain about this because it's just getting so ridiculous. But I want to teach you guys a little bit about what to do. Um, when you do have an uncontrolled dog, when you do have a situation like that, where you maybe have an off-leash dog, maybe it's just a noise nuisance in your neighborhood. I mean, there's it's just the lack of the lack of accountability and responsibility and lack of ownership of people's dogs just really blows my mind. It's like, what the hell's the point of getting the dog if you're not going to train it, you're not going to care for it, you're not going to do right by it? Like, I don't get it. But hey, call me old-fashioned. That's just me. 
Um, you know, I'll tell you a little story. The other day, um, <laughs> the other day I'm out in a park and I got cursed out yet again because I asked somebody to leash up their dog. Fascinating, right? Their dog's coming after us. I'm trying to walk the other direction and this dog will not stop. Keeps coming after us. Now, not aggressively, but again, guys, in a split second decision, I'm not going to, I don't want to have to read that dog's behavior and go, are we aggressive or not? I usually just make my decision and do what I do. And, you know, and besides, even if it's not aggressive, I can't stand when people walk up to me like that with an uncontrolled dog, especially when they're trying to gain control and the dog is just, you know, flipping them off. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, literally, I asked this person to leash up the dog and it was F you, man. Nice little 20 something year old and her friend and their entitled selves. Um, definitely not from the area, definitely new to the area, definitely didn't know Florida state leash laws. And um, yeah, I mean, absolutely just started going off on me because I asked them to leash up their dogs. I mean, it, I don't know, guys. I, I, I find it, and the, the best part was, I said, I said, ma'am, what had happened if one of these dogs was that I have was aggressive? And of course, her response, you have no business bringing that dog out into public. And I'm like, this is, see, this is what blows my mind, guys. Average owners, some of you might agree with this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it right now, because here's the thing. While yes, a severely, 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 horribly aggressive dog probably shouldn't go out in public, I'll give you that. But if we're trying to train this dog and we've made progress and I need to, like, this is what you have to do to fix those dogs, guys. At some point, you got to take them out into public and start seeing other dogs. Otherwise, they will never get over it. They will never be able to work through it. And if I have you as a selfish person with your off-leash, uncontrolled dog coming at me, how does that, how is that right? So I'm sorry, but actually there's no law stating that I'm not allowed to be in public with my dog. It's one thing if it's an aggressive dog. It's another thing if my dog doesn't like being barreled down on by another do unknown dog. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not the same thing. And she, you know, people look at this very black and white and I get that comment a lot because I love saying that, I do. I go, what if this dog was aggressive? What would you do right now? Well, he shouldn't be here. Well, what if he... Great, he shouldn't, first of all, whoop-de-doo, he shouldn't be here. You're a moron with a dog off leash. You think some other moron with a severely aggressive dog isn't gonna be out here at some point? Like, I, it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's no sense anymore, guys. There's no logic, there's no reason. So what do you do? All right, I'll stop, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll stop bitching. I know I'm being, I know I'm being nasty. I know I sound upset because I am, guys. Like I said, it's literally, I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally every time I take my dogs out to the public parks, not a dog park, a regular park that requires the dogs to be leashed. And again, it would be one thing if they had control over their dogs, but they don't. They have zero control. The dogs do not listen to them. The dogs do not have a recall. I, it's, I, all right, so what do you do? <laughs> Look guys, this is not an ideal situation. So the first thing I have to say is you gotta be cautious no matter what, because you don't know what another dog's intent is. You don't. And you don't know what dog your look, or your, what look your dog might have given them that could potentially set them off. That's the thing. There are so many unknown circumstances when we talk about working with dogs and people just think they know everything about it. It's like, guys, I've heard and seen some pretty nasty stuff. You don't even wanna know. And, and you're talking about, you think you know, you can just bring your dog up. Like, it, it's not that simple, okay? Stop, all right, stop. So what do you do? <laughs> so again, guys, please be cautious and please be careful. And I'll be honest, there's no advice that's ever going to be 100%. There's nothing that's going to be 100% safe. You're always taking a risk when you have a dog out in public and off leash or in your neighborhood and off leash. Now, one of the best things you can do 
when you see a dog off leash, especially if it's a good distance away, you first want to just stop. You don't want to stop and act scared. Don't stiffen up. None of that. Just stop and remain relaxed. Okay. Number one rule when dealing in a with dealing with a situation like this: remain calm. I know it's not easy, but you got to take a deep breath and just relax. The other thing is you want to try to not make direct eye contact with the dog. Your dog might be doing that, so it's also important to try to redirect your dog's focus. Once again, we don't want our dogs to inadvertently um, make a mistake by inadvertently confronting this dog through eye contact and creating more of an interaction than we need. So it might be a good idea to try to focus on your dog's focus at well and trying to redirect them. Now again, the first thing I do is just stop in place and assess the situation. If I do feel like this is not really going to work very well, I'll very calmly, very slowly, very normally, we'll just turn and walk the opposite direction, 180 degrees the other way. Very calmly. I'm not running. I'm not looking over my, my shoulder, panicking. Calm. I Honestly, guys, the biggest thing, the biggest thing in all of this with an unknown dog is always remaining calm. That's, that's the biggest thing you got to do. Okay. Now, in most scenarios, that kind of uh, situation where the dog is pretty far away, you're remaining relaxed, you've stopped, you're staying calm, you're assessing it, um, you know, you can easily turn and get out of there very calmly. Most of the time, a dog is not going to be interested in following you after that. Most of the time. Okay. So that's the best thing you can do. But people make mistakes by making eye contact, stiffening up, looking scared, running away. All these things can potentially be triggers to that other dog to want to continue the follow, uh, continue following you. Okay. So to me, that's, that's the way you have to start. Now it's not always ideal because sometimes you're in your neighborhood and the dog runs from a backyard very quickly at you and you don't have the luxury of having distance. In those scenarios, look guys, again, there's just no perfect answer. If my dog is smaller than the dog coming at me, one of the first things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do is try to put the dog behind me. That's just me. Um, I don't know that you, <laughs> you know, I, I want to protect my dog. Um, but again, one of the best things you can do is still remain calm and try to just safely, slowly get away from the dog. Okay. You don't want to keep coming at them. You don't want to try to run by them because a lot of times, especially in a neighborhood scenario, the dog is most likely protecting uh, their house, if you will, and their property. And so if you continue to walk by the house, you're potentially walking further into what that dog views as its property. It's better to stop where you are and go the other direction away from it. Okay. Um, people will make that mistake too. They try to keep going by and the dog keeps chasing them because it Again, and then it turns into a chase. They start running and there you go. All right. Um, but if you are from a distance and the owner is around, obviously try to ask the owner very nicely, very calmly, very politely to leash the dog up. I always try to do it calmly and politely and it never works. It never does. Uh, people are just buttheads. Look, usually people like that. It's one thing if the dog accidentally got out or something, but most people that let their dogs loose like that, that have no care about it, they're not going to care that you say please or thank you or give two craps about you, which is... A shame. Um, you know, now look, a worst case scenario, and this is, I hope, look guys, I hope nobody ever gets bit out there. I don't want anybody to get bit. The whole concept obviously is to try to avoid getting bit, is to try to avoid these scenarios and these situations, not create a confrontation. God forbid though, you have a dog coming at you. There's a few things you do need to know, and this is serious stuff, okay? Um, again, this is a scenario where potential harm could come and you wanna try to do the best you can to protect yourself and your dog. I will try to put my dog behind me. <sighs> Look guys, this is, again, I'm a disclaimer. I don't want you to get bit. Please don't put yourself in these situations. Please try to play it safe. And this is called a last resort. This is a dog is coming at you within five to 10 feet and you don't have any other choice. 
I will put my forearm out. Okay, now again, thank goodness I've never really been put in this exact kind of scenario, and most of you, thank goodness, will never experience this, but I will put my forearm actually straight out because if the dog were to latch onto your forearm, it is better. It allows you to gain a little more control and have control over where it's going, as well as if you don't put your forearm out, what's behind your forearm, guys? Your stomach, a lot of vital organs, okay? Very sensitive area down there in your stomach, and you do not wanna get bit there. It's better to have control with the arm and control it that way. Now, if you do have a very big dog, <laughs> I don't want your dog getting hurt, but uh, your dog's gonna probably try to protect you and itself. And look, it's just, again, there, there's just no good way to say it. These scenarios stink and I don't want you to be in it, but I want you to be better prepared if God forbid you have to find yourself in a situation like that. To me, the best situation or the best way is always avoidance, guys. You don't want to stiffen up. You don't want to act scared. And you definitely don't want to run away. We don't want to make direct eye contact. We want to be a little more passive, but we want to remain calm. If you can do it safely, you want to turn slowly and just walk the opposite direction away from the dog. Okay. Um, you don't want to try to continue going past their property. You don't want to try to continue going past them on a trail. If it's a hiking trail, you really just want to try to go the opposite direction. Uh, sometimes in a neighborhood, I've had clients go, look, you've, I've got a dog coming this way. I've got a dog coming that way. What do I do? Go up somebody's driveway if you have to. I know it's not ideal. You don't want to like encroach on somebody's property, but let's all try to be safe. The best method is avoidance. And then I want you to call and hire a professional. Please, 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 guys. Always when in doubt when working with any kind of aggression, or maybe you do have uncontrolled dogs in your neighborhood and you really just don't know what to do. Call a professional. Um, with that said, there are further steps you can take with nuisance neighborhood dogs. State of Florida, we do have those leash laws in place, guys. The second a dog leaves the uh, owner's property, the second they leave the property, they're on yours property, they're on the street, the second they leave the property without a leash on, they are breaking the law. We have all these wonderful phones, guys. Take video evidence. Please take video evidence of this. You're going to need it to send to your animal control officer or local authorities because I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people being irresponsible. Your dog's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's not okay. All right? Be empowered. Call the ASPCA in your area. They can some. They will sometimes come out and investigate these cases. Okay, Martin County residents, you local residents in my area, I highly encourage you to make phone calls to the non-emergency number. I tried to report this this woman's off leash the other day, and I called my animal control services to report the nuisance, and it led me to nowhere. Literally, the phone call led me to nowhere. How many people do you think are gonna actually continue forward and hang up and call non-emergency? I called the non-emergency number. She's like, oh, you're supposed to be calling me. I'm like, why do we have an animal services number if I'm not supposed to be calling that to report an animal nuisance that's literally on the menu options on your phone? So I am a little peeved. I'm not going to lie. My county used to be better. My my animal services, they cut their budget. They used to be called animal control, now they're animal services. Um, any local residents, anybody in Palm City, Martin County, Stewart, anybody in the area, I please, I, I, I'm encouraging you to please call Martin County Sheriff's Office and beg them to reinstate the budget for the animal control officers. They are understaffed and we have big problems with dogs off leash in this county. The police unfortunately can't do anything about it because they don't have time to and our wonderful county commissioners are also doing nothing to control the situation. So I implore you guys, be a voice, be a concerned citizen that dogs in this area are getting a little out of control to a point that it's it's getting dangerous. I'm just being honest. This is my professional opinion and unfortunately it's just not okay. In your area, be empowered. Be empowered, guys. Call your local county. You have nuisance dogs barking. A lot of times there are rules about decibel levels and how late they can go. And a dog, well, we know they can bark pretty loud, can't they? So be empowered, guys. Take control of um, 
what's going on in your area, make the right phone calls, and let's get these nuisance and uncontrolled dogs under better control. Good luck to you guys out there. Please stay safe. When in doubt, call a professional, and uh, hopefully you can avoid all those crazy dogs around you as well. Next on Speaky Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Carol from Tampa, Florida. Carol asks, I'm going on vacation in January and I'm trying to find a place to board my dog. Are there things that you would recommend that I look for for a quality facility? That is a great question, Carol, with the holidays coming up as well. Uh, people might be wondering that. Now, I did do an episode a while back about boarding facilities, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some things you want to look for. Um, look, first things first, will the facility give you a tour? That's the biggest, that's the right there. Like that's the first question you need to ask. Can I have a tour of the whole facility? And once you get there, do they actually let you, excuse me, let you see the whole facility? Very, very important. If they do not, red flag, I would not leave my dogs there. Now it's one thing if it's somebody's home, uh, they're boarding out of their home and maybe you don't go in their master bedroom or something like, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe they just don't want you in their bedroom. Maybe they just didn't clean up, all good. But if the rest of the house looks wonderful and clean, you know, come on, that, that's fine. But if it's an actual facility, I want to see everything. I wanna see how it's run, I wanna see what it's clean, I wanna see every part of that place, inside and out. So that's the first thing you need to ask. Um, next thing is look at the staff. I'm not a big fan of places that have staff members that are 17 years old. No offense to anybody out there, but these are my pets. Uh, these are people's pets. These are situations where we could have aggression issues going on, possessive issues going on. You never know. I want somebody with experience in charge. It's one thing if we have a couple younger people, you know, but come on. Like, I don't want a facility full of teenagers. I'm sorry. That's just me. I don't need people on their phones distracted, not paying attention to what's going on with the dogs. Just saying. Um... You know, another thing is to ask, like, if they know CP, doggy CPR and all that kind of good stuff, first aid. Um, ask if they have a veterinarian they like to work with, if they have anybody they know, you know, little things to kind of keep them on their toes. But really, to me, I want to know um, that the facility's clean, that the dogs are well taken care of. And a lot of that you can see through a tour, right? Uh, ask little things like how often do they go outside? How much playtime do they have? Can you watch on cameras, you know? Um, do they get walked? That's a big one that most facilities don't do. Um, a lot of different things that go into it, but again, to me, it's it's more of a gut feeling than anything that I want to know who's taking care of my dogs. I want to see the place. I want to smell the place. Does it smell like poop and urine? If it doesn't, you're doing great. Smells like a nice cleaner. Beautiful. Um, you know, things like that. Ask if they've heard of bloat, GDV, those kind of things. Are they aware of this? Are they aware of issues that they need, you know, bigger dogs, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of different things. But to me, again, most important is cleanliness, um, uh, you know, being, being, being straightforward and letting us see the whole place. I couldn't think of the word I was trying to find there. Uh, but being able to see the whole facility and how it runs, who's operating that facility, are they knowledgeable in dog behavior and safety, how often are the dogs fed, is it clean, all that kind of good stuff is what you want to look for. And of course, ask your friends because there's nothing better than a good referral. Next question. This comes from Eric from Charlottesville, Virginia. Eric says, I was wondering if you have ever been bit. <laughs> Awesome question, Eric, because yes, yes, I have. Um, be, because I work with dogs. I mean, it's, I work with animals, too. I've been bit by more than just dogs. Um, thank goodness I haven't been bit a ton. Like, we're not talking that much. But yes, I've definitely been bit. Um, I, honestly, dog bite, as long as it's straight down, it's not so bad. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. 
Um, but a straight down bite is not so bad. It's when the teeth go in and rip. That's when it can become a problem. Um, so yeah, look, I, I have been bit. Luckily, nothing ever really severe, knock on wood. I'm very lucky and very grateful um, that I'm very fast. <laughs> because yes, I have rehabilitated aggressive dogs, severe anxiety, these kind of things that can bring some aggressive tendencies. And it comes with the job, unfortunately. Uh, but the silver lining in it is that once we get through that and once we get past a bite, um, we can make the dog better and we can make their behavior better. Uh, and there hasn't been a dog that I've been bit by that we haven't made success in their behavior. So I, I love to be that I, I'm able to say that. Uh, it's not something we want, obviously. We don't ever want to get bit, but it is kind of something we have to accept in this line of work that it is a possibility. Um, it's no different with people that go in with dangerous animals. I mean, I myself, I've worked with some pretty dangerous exotic animals a bit and you know there is a risk going in with them when you walk in with a tiger you understand there is a risk very real risk risk that you could die you know i mean that's just that's not a bite right that's a whole different thing a uh, bite from a tiger is not gonna be as friendly um so yeah i've been bit by a few things not by a tiger thank goodness never got bit by a tiger i will say a a, a bird of prey talon a talon from like a hawk um, can be pretty brutal. The worst one I had was actually the worst talent I had because she missed my glove um, was a Eurasian eagle owl. And she they've got huge talons, huge feet. They're incredibly strong. And the amount of pressure, um, she just literally dug into my arm and I just had to wait for her to let go. Nothing you can do at that point. When they, when they are grabbing on, when a bird of prey grabs on that hard, that big, that strong, um, it's pretty hard to pry their toes off. And even then, do you really want to? Because she could grab onto that hand. Um, so yeah, I had a talon in my arm for about 15, 20 minutes until she finally relaxed and let go. Luckily, just a puncture wound, quick clean, no big deal, back to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I've been bit, Eric. <laughs> Not a big deal. You get fights, you get scratches. It's all part of the job. The answer to today's trivia question, how far can a frog jump? they can jump over 20 times their body length. That's going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Speak Dogcast. We're starting this Tuesday. We have Training Tip Tuesdays. Don't miss out on all that great advice. Head on over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Speak a Dogcast. And of course, if you want to become a patron of the show, go on over to Patreon.com slash Speak a Dogcast today. I want to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Regula Wright, and my dog friend, Morgan. Have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.